Here's the man himself. Well, this is Casey Case, <laughs> along with JC, saying hi to you, Karen, and to Schlanger, and also to Misha. Hi, hey, how are Casey? you? Well, great. What a nice surprise here to be able to speak to St. Louis. Last time I was in St. Louis was for the David Letterman show, and uh, we were at the Arch there, right? Right. Casey and I were on the uh, Casino Queen doing a live shot back for Letterman, and uh, Casey was on the, it was the, it was the Pants Across America. The Pants Across America. <laughs> He does some dumb things. <laughs> where were your stops? You went to St. Louis and where else? Yeah, and then within the the fate up in uh, South Dakota, right? Uh, and then uh, Las Vegas, as you mentioned, and St. Louis. I'm trying to think of the other places. I can't you remember ended up them. Out, you ended up out here, didn't you? Yes, that's right. We ended up here, and then I think I, the Grand Canyon was one of the. Oh, that's that. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> How could I forget that the Grand Canyon? My, I mean, that's the most awesome thing I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised to see you here this early in the morning. Are you getting ready to record your show? Yeah, we're doing our special. We do we, we do three specials a, a year, counting down the 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 year end hits because we do three three different countdowns, and then the daily five minute show, and then I'm doing the Nick at Night countdown again this year for the ninth year for their top 25 shows, and then uh, the video uh, show for VH1, counting that down, too. So it's a busy time. for yeah. Casey, what do you think? You walk into work on a Monday morning, and you see JC in your <laughs> studio. you got to think, oh, God, it's another Monday. No, I just thought I was fired. That's all. <laughs> Thank no. you very much for coming by. JC, what a pleasure. And uh, everybody in St. Louis, uh, happy holidays. You too, Casey. The countdown will begin this Sunday afternoon at 1, right here on the radio station you grew up with, Music Radio 138. Oh, fuck. What the hell's going on here? Okay, well, isn't it the last hour? We got another hour to do? Geez, I thought we were almost finished. Good golly, Miss Molly. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. Hi, this is Casey Kasem. American Top 40 has moved to a new time. I hope you'll join me this Saturday morning and every Saturday morning at 2. 2. Now, we're up to our long-distance dedication. And this one is about kids and pets and a situation that we can all understand, whether we have kids or pets or neither. It's from a man in Cincinnati, Ohio, and here's what he writes. Dear Casey, this may seem to be a strange dedication request, but I'm quite sincere, and it'll mean a lot if you play it. Recently, there was a death in our family. He was a little dog named Snuggles, but he was most certainly a part of... Let's come start again. I'm coming out of the record. Play the record, okay? Please. <clears throat> See, when you come out of those up-tempo goddamn numbers, man, it's impossible to make those transitions. And then you got to go into somebody dying. You know, they do this to me all the time. I don't know what the hell they do it for, but goddamn it, if we can't come out of a slow record, I don't understand it. Is Don on the phone? Okay, I want a goddamn concerted effort to come out of a record that isn't a fucking up-tempo record every time I do a goddamn death dedication. Now, make it, and I also want to know what happened to the pictures I was supposed to see this week. This is a god, last goddamn time. I want somebody who uses fucking brain to not come out of a goddamn record that is, uh, that, that's up-tempo, and I got to talk about a fucking dog dying. No, I'm just getting warmed up. Happy to see you again. Don't be nervous, don't be rocky, you're our teenage guest is jockey now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful, like, look. Did that voice inside you say, I've heard it all before. It's like deja vu all over again. 
It is Wednesday, August 30th, 2023, and you are at jconthelinecom finally. My apologies to everybody who loves the podcast and looks forward to it and listens every day, but there just wasn't anything I can do. I mean, you can hear it in my voice now. I mean, it's barely coming back now, but for almost two weeks now, I've been having the worst laryngitis of my life. Now, I've had really, really bad laryngitis where, you know, for a day or two, you can't talk at all. But I've never had anything like this where for like two weeks it goes on. And it's got to be related to the surgery I had. It has to because nothing else has changed. So I would finish the radio show and I was even cheating on that. You know, there's places during the hour where I'm supposed to be saying things and it was just like, no, just stick something pre-recorded in there because I'm not going to make it till 10 o'clock otherwise, let alone the podcast. And I would sit there at 10 o'clock and go, there's no way. There's absolutely no way I have enough voice remaining to be able to crank this out so unfortunately i just had to tell everybody i'm sorry no podcast i think we've only had two podcasts in about the last two weeks but you know shit happens that's all i can say that's what happens once in a while by the way that casey Kasem stuff it's just precious first of all meeting him was cool and I had met him a couple of times before, like you heard in the bit that I just played back there. You know, I had met him on the boat. David Letterman likes that shot, or used to like that shot coming from the Illinois side of the Mississippi River looking at St. Louis. And he always said, just set up right there. That I love that shot. So that's where they set up, and that's where I was with Casey. And they do a rehearsal in the afternoon. It's the same thing with Sir Jewel and Mujibur. And because I was the entertainment guy for the CBS affiliate, I got to go out there and basically hang out, do a feature on the fact that they were doing the rehearsal and what you were going to see on television that night and all that sort of stuff. So it was fun. So I doubt seriously that he remembered me, but I threw that in there anyhow. And, he, you know, Casey has a, a sort of childlike or had a sort of childlike quality to him. I don't know how to explain it. And honestly, I, I really do think that's the best word I can come up with is is childlike. But obviously he has a temper or why do I keep saying in the present tense? Maybe it's like Tom Petty. You know, you're driving along if you're listening to Sirius XM on Saturday, they rerun those old American Top 40 shows. And I listen to them if I'm in the car. And I listen because I'm absolutely horrified to think back about what Passed for entertainment in the 1970s and early 80s when he was doing American Top 40. There were two outstanding years for Top 40 radio, and that was 1969 and 1970. So much good pop music came out during that period, and except for like, you know, the Beatles and Stones and stuff like that. The rest of it was pretty much crap, but 69 and 70 was outstanding. But, you know, you're driving along on a Saturday, and he's doing like 1973, and you're going, I cannot believe this passed for entertainment. We accepted this as entertainment. These songs are awful. And then Casey, you know, he got hokier and hokier as time went on with the long-distance dedications and everything like that. But it was also very interesting as to how the shows got on the air because, you know, there was no internet. And he had something like, oh, something ridiculous like, 600 affiliates all over the world, 600 radio stations running that show. And so, you know, logistically, how do you do that? Well, the way they did it is they sent it to us on a vinyl disc, you know, like an album. And then it would be like, you know, whatever time the show aired, you know, 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning, 
in Poughkeepsie, and the disc jockey would just sit there and drop the needle on the track like you were queuing up a a, a song on an album and just push the button, American Top 40, and that's how you were listening to it, off a vinyl disc. But I, th- I think they said that Casey died with something like uh, 60 or 80 million bucks in the bank, and then the family started fighting about it, and the family members aren't talking to one another. One of his daughters is actually damn good looking. That's a thing about certain ethnicities you know, this would probably apply to men, but I can't see it through the eyes of a woman. I can only see it through the eyes of a man. And and there's a couple of ethnicities that are like that, Lebanese being one of them, where the women are either really, really beautiful, or it's just like, oh, that's unfortunate. I think Irish women are like that too. I'll tell you who looks good is these Florida female weather forecasters and meteorologists. You just can't even believe it. I think what they do is they send them to meteorological school and then they have open auditions on the beach and whoever looks best, that's who they grab and they put them on TV. I'm going to take screenshots of a couple of these women and put them on my Facebook page, the showgram with JC Corcoran, so you can see what I'm talking about. One of the stations here just hired a Greek woman who looks to be about, I don't know, 24. And that's another ethnicity, Greek. Greek women are either knockouts or there's like no middle ground. But this woman is the closest thing I've seen to perfection on television in a long time. And I do not apologize to any fake feminists out there who think that my comments are inappropriate. Look, I've explained this before. We are men. We love women. You know what you guys can make us do. You can make us run around the block screaming in the middle of the night. You can make us write entire songs about you. And then when we sing them, you're capable of making us do things like go, That would have sounded better, but like I said, I barely got any throat left here. We love women. We love all of the little idiosyncrasies about you. Your personalities, your body types, your mannerisms, hair, eyes, boobs, butts, legs, hair, the way you sort of crinkle your noses, the way you smile, being lustful as a man, being lustful for a woman in no way excludes respect you can want to blank the shit out of a woman and still respect her for heaven's sakes and this is where that fake feminism comes in where it's like you know you're judging women by individual body parts no no we're not we are partially judging women by individual body parts because i mean you know think about it sophia vergara just announced she's getting a divorce okay who's better looking than sophia vergara well it's like the line that julia roberts delivered in notting hill you show me a beautiful woman and i will show you a man who's tired of loving her so obviously it can't be just physical traits and characteristics that make us fall in love with you. It's got to be the intangibles. It's got to be personality and intelligence and just the manner in which you carry yourself. So I get really, really angry with that very, very small activist portion of the female population that just wants to cause trouble and they want to cause trouble for reasons that are stupid. Well, you said she has nice boobs. Yeah, she does. But you know what else? She's got a great personality, and I'm crazy about her. Because there's a lot of girls with really, really nice boobs who are assholes, and we don't like them. A nice body cannot counterbalance bad behavior, bad personality, just 
bad stuff. Too many people who just wake up every day, go to their cell phone and figure, what am I going to be offended by today? Storm went through overnight. It actually looks like, uh, I'm looking outside right now, I'm a, I'm about 25 miles northwest of downtown Tampa. And like I said, we still have a, a place in St. Louis. We've got a place here. I've got a 13-year-old daughter. She's got to go to school. So we spend pretty much the entire winter here, although we do come back periodically. And then in the summer, we try to spend as much time in St. Louis as possible. Not technically snowbirds, but somewhere in there. But we do have a place in St. Louis, got a place here. Anyhow, I'm speaking to you from a radio studio in my home that is 1.6 miles, 1.6 miles from the Gulf of Mexico. So when they start talking about storm surges and stuff, I mean, that'll get your attention. And you see what happened with Ian last year, about two hours south of here, and it will really get your attention. So we had battened down the hatches. We had the generator out, all the lawn furniture taken in, cars put away. But I will tell you this, I got one planter outside, you know, like a giant, I mean, can't call it a flower pot, it's a planter. And I went out there this morning and that thing was blown over on its side. And it's like, it, it almost takes two people to lift that thing. You start thinking about how strong that wind gust had to be to blow that thing over. It's incredible. So when I went out and looked in the front lawn this morning, yeah, broken tree branches and just Two billion twigs out there. We've been picking them all up. My family's been out there picking them all up this morning, putting them in. We filled two trash cans already. But, you know, on balance, you look around and go, it's not too bad. It's just debris, pretty much debris. So we're picking up all the slop outside, but looking around going, you know, on balance, you know, we, we sort of did okay. Well, then you turn on the news and you're seeing all the flooding everywhere. Only have to go about two miles north of where we are right now and everything's flooded. Then you go about 15 miles south of where we are down to the uh, St. Petersburg area. And they got all kinds of trouble down there. Everything's flooded. Rivers are overflowing, houses, restaurants, Everybody's got water. Here's one of the live reports now. Hold water on. Water still encroaching on them. We've seen people out here in canoes. Some people still choosing to ride it out here in Hudson. We've been here since 10 o'clock last night, and the water has just been incredible. That has flown in. Every single person that I've talked to here, they tell me that the rain and wind with this storm, that wasn't what the issue was. And again, the Max Defender 8 team never said that it was going to necessarily be the issue. It is the storm surge, and of course, that's what we're seeing right now. We're continuing to weave in and out of these streets with the Good Samaritan that's driving us around, really looking for people who might need help. Because like I said, some people are still riding out this storm. Some of the water, I mean, she's showing right now, the water is up to the mailbox. And this is, oh, she's in Hudson. That's only about 25 minutes north of where I'm sitting right now. And as I was talking about uh, both on my Facebook page, the showgram with J.C. Corcoran, and also on the radio show on K-Wolf at 101. Five and 101.7 and streaming at kwolf.com talking about the fact that we are in a natural rise in the topography literally two blocks from us is where the line is where they told everybody they had to evacuate everything to the west side of that line flooded everything to the east side not flooded because there's an elevation that begins and we're almost sitting on top of a little berm here and it keeps us from flooding so we did okay there 
But the thing actually accelerated to a Cat 4 briefly, 130-mile-an-hour winds, gusts to 150, and then it hit land, and that was pretty much it, and it started being torn apart. But now it goes over the state of Florida and then comes out the other side and starts going up the Georgia coast and along the Carolinas and everything like that. It could possibly reform and re-strengthen. It's hard to say. Oh, by the way, if you're planning your Labor Day weekend already, Temperatures back in the low 90s. They were originally saying it could have been mid to upper 90s, but they backed off of it a little bit, and they're saying low 90s. Should be beautiful for the soccer game, match, whatever, tonight. 55 when you wake up tomorrow morning. Pretty good night for Rick Springfield last night at St. Louis Music Park. It's amazing how popular that guy still is. I think a lot of it is to do with his looks. You know, I remember when I was a little boy, I was 10 years old, my grandfather died when I was 10, and he was 72 years old. He looked like he was 172. Rick Springfield is, I believe, 73, maybe 74. He still looks 40. I'm sure he obviously is dying his hair. He's kept himself in shape. There's another guy who's on Sirius XM, does a radio show all the time, and I'm sure that works to his favor when it's time to start selling concert tickets. And his new album, we're playing cuts from his new album on K-Wolf, and, and there's a couple of songs on there that are actually pretty darn good. But I used to like his album covers, that working class dog thing where he had the dog in the shirt and the tie. I just always thought that was funny. And I don't even want to start talking about what we frequently get into conversations about, and that is how much we miss liner notes and actual albums. When we moved over to the CDs and then eventually... You know, now there's nothing you can even hold in your hand. But when we started going over to CDs, it was like, well, this is great. The convenience of being able to take your music anywhere, and even cassettes and 8-tracks to a smaller degree. I mean, this is all great, but there's nothing to hold on to. There's nothing to read. There's nothing to look at while you're sitting in your beanbag chair with your headphones on, listening to the new David Bowie album, and just hearing all that separation in the stereo and all the effects and all the cool stuff that uh, musical artists were doing in the 70s and 80s, and to some extent the 60s, but their technology just wasn't quite there yet. But especially 70s and 80s, when people really started figuring out, hey, we can make this thing talk. When I say this thing, I'm not talking about the bass player. (laughs) The bass players take so much, so much abuse. My buddy Howard Morton, who's a bass player, but he, but he takes the funny side of things. It's okay. But there's a lot of jokes about bass players and it's it's a drag. It's terrible. Can't have a good rock and roll song without a good bass line anyhow. It's nice to see the boys have at least a little something to celebrate last night. Tommy Edmund with that walk-off single. You know, the Cardinals were down. What was it? Four to one at one point. It might have been five to one. I'm not sure. So they come back and they tie it. Wilson Contreras had his entire family in the ballpark last night, and he sends two of them out of the ballpark. And just an update on the Adam Wainwright situation. The games mean nothing, okay? They mean nothing. So nobody's getting hurt by continuing to put Adam Wainwright out there. As a matter of fact, in Adam Wainwright's last two starts, he's looked like Adam Wainwright like five years ago. You don't win a lot of games if you score no runs. And also, people don't pay enough attention to how difficult it is to pitch when you are not ahead, when you don't have a lead. And so few of our pitchers are working with leads these days because the Cardinals' offense just isn't scoring runs. 
you get a couple of games there where they score 10, and they come back and they score another 10, and then they only score like five runs for the next week. And by the way, how about Harrison Bader being put on waivers by the Yankees yesterday? But if nobody's getting hurt and the games mean nothing, he's got maybe four or five more cracks at picking up two wins. His last two performances, his last two starts, he pitched absolutely he was capable of winning those games. Don't score any runs. If you're irritated by this whole thing, just you know, just remember this is not necessarily Adam Wainwright's fault. It's the fault of his teammates. He's pitching well enough to win. Now, if you want to say he should have retired last year when he said he was going to, that's another story. But I'm sure he was sitting there thinking, I'm so close. I'm so close. I think I can do it. And if the Cardinals, by the way, had a regular season, he would have had that 200th win already. But the Cardinals are 20 games out of first place. All of those losses, some of those were Adam Wainwright's too. And then, of course, you had the games where he went out there and couldn't get out of the first or second inning where, you know, they ballooned his ERA out to like, you know, 10. So there's plenty of blame to go around. But at the end of the day, you got a month left. You have this guy in Adam Wainwright who's just been one of the great all-time Cardinals, and he would just like to get to that 200th win. Let him go for it. Not hurting anybody. Because the Cardinals certainly have figured out plenty of other ways to lose when Adam Wainwright is not up on the pitcher's mound. Today is the anniversary, the one-year anniversary of the passing of Dick Ford. Dick was a great guy. I had the pleasure of having my desk be right across the aisle from his at Channel 5 for, what, the five, six years that I was there. And Dick used to love to talk. And we would talk about everything. And there were people, you know, at that station who had a stick up their ass and just really did not like the idea of me being in there. What's Corcoran doing in the Channel 5 newsroom? Why is he here? Little did they know, I was asking myself the same question. But they offered me the job, right? What are you going to do, say no? I knew I could do a good job, but that wasn't good enough for some people who just refused to interact with me and just treated me like shit. And, and we're just assholes. And it's easy to say, well, then just stay away from these people. Well, you can't do that. Sometimes they're photographers. Sometimes they're editors. You get assigned to who you get assigned to. And you got to sit there and you got to work with them. So it's not that easy. What surprises me, I have to say, though, is there's a couple of people who I really liked at Channel 5 and got along with just fabulously and just, you know, was crazy about. There was one editor by the name of Ellen. I won't say her last name. And I loved Ellen. I loved working with her. And I would always be asking her about her little boy, her husband, just her family and everything. We would talk about music. She was really, really smart and very well-read, very uh, well-educated, and just really culturally on top of things. Music, movies, you know, the works. So I lost track of her for a couple of years. And then because of Facebook, one day I just sort of looked her up and it's like, oh, there she is. Look. And I sent her the really, really nice note saying, in essence, what I just said about her a moment ago that you heard. Nothing. Nothing. And I comfort myself sometimes by thinking, well, maybe she just had it with St. Louis and packed up and moved 1,500 miles away and doesn't want to relive. You know, she had gotten a divorce during that period. Maybe she just doesn't, uh, you know, maybe St. Louis wasn't a pleasant experience for her. And the last thing she wants to do is talk to some goofy radio and TV guy who she got stuck working with there for about five years. Or it could be that all along I was thinking we had a great relationship and we didn't. And I'll be the first to admit that really, really bothers me. It bothers me a lot. But Dick, 
Couldn't have been nicer to me. God. And he, even once in a while, he would come over and tell me, you know, maybe you did this wrong. Maybe you shouldn't have done that. But overwhelmingly, he was very, very supportive. And the other thing is, Dick liked used to, he used to like to screw around on the set, you know, during what they call the tosses. So they go, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, JC has the story. JC, what about this? You know, and, and he would deviate from the script and we'd have a little chuckle. And then the piece would run. He would always watch it intently. And because there were some anchor people who, you know, your piece would be running and they'd be on the phone. Own. they'd be doing anything else they'd be talking to somebody else they'd come back and they hadn't even seen what you had just put together so they couldn't even comment on it or have some sort of exchange with you but dick wasn't like that he always watched what i did i just think that dick got sort of a kick out of me and then afterwards you know we would just chit chat a little bit and it just made for great television and uh really missed the guy and i saw him and a year ago today when he passed away, I remembered that it was the last time I saw him. It was a thing the St. Louis Press Club had an event in 2019, which was maybe two months before we sold our house and moved to Florida. We just had a wonderful time. Took a picture together, the whole thing, just reminisced a little bit. His wife, Gail, he, you know, Dick was one of my inspirations anyhow, because Gail, his wife of a very long time, was 20 years younger than him. And going back a couple of decades, I was dating somebody who was 20 years younger than me, and we were getting heat about that from a lot of different corners. And I would always say, look, look at Dick Ford, look at Dick and Gail. They've been married for 20 years, and there's a 20-year separation in their ages. So, you know, it can be done. But I want to play this for you because it was just great. We happened to have scheduled Dick Ford to do something that we would frequently do. If the person who was reading news on the show that day was out for some reason, we would uh, you know call up the TV station and say, hey, we need somebody to come in and read the news. But really, it was less reading the news and more just acting as a de facto co-host. And so we had invited Dick Ford to be our celebrity newscaster that day. But it also turned out that after we had planned that, we found out Dana Carvey was coming to town. And so it was Dick, and it was Dana, and it was me, and it was a blast. Bingo, take a hike. Time for sports with Mike. Mike Bush Sports Time. Sports in his shorts. And we've got uh, Dick Ford from Channel 5 Eyewitness News here, and Dana Carvey is here, and Mike Bush is on the phone. We've got everybody here. Hi, Mike. Hi, uh, JC. I, I only have a minute, and everybody is pointing at me because here at this country club, I think I'm the first Jew they've ever seen. <laughs> I go, fuck at him. So, uh, say, you know, say hello to Dana. Dana is here. Hi. Hey. This is a big thrill. I'm sorry I couldn't be in the studio to, uh, to shake hands, but JC, if you would take a picture of Dana and move it a little bit to the left, I can, like, superimpose myself on the right and show everybody that I met Dana Carvey. I think this is the coolest thing I've ever heard of, that you <laughs> don't have to come to work. That kind of clout. It's like me being able to stay in my hotel tonight and just, like, phone my thing in over. Yeah. All right, I, I, now I'm in the church lady dress. Now I'm, now I'm doing Hans and Franz. Okay. No, that's, that's very hip. Put a speakerphone out on the stage and just invite people to come by. It is a pretty good gig, and, you know, I get $4,000 each time my voice is heard on the radio. Four, really? Yeah. Four grand a pop. I yeah. want your agent. I want your life. <laughs> but I don't want you. <laughs> you about but, but Mike, how do you say tee off in German? <laughs> uh, yeah. Tee off in German. How do you yeah. say four in German? 
Yavol. Yeah, you know, don't let them wow you out there. Just go into a little Arnold impression and go, look, you little girly loser. Such a little club. You know, I could throw the ball with my hand and, you know, it would go in the hole because I only know how to be number one. And I could flick you with my little baby finger and you would fly across the fairway and land in your baby poop in the sand trap. Just a suggestion there. What do we want to do? Thank you very much. Goodbye. All right. He doesn't want any part of this. Right, that uh, always gets him off. Yeah, Mike Bush there, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, you're going to be doing uh, uh, two shows. That, it was originally only supposed to be two shows tonight. Oh, and, they uh, just keep adding shows. I may never get out of St. Louis. <laughs> I love it here. I don't know what it is about me in this town. They're going to get you in an apartment. Uh, you'll be here. <laughs> be here no, for I'm doing two shows tonight and one show tomorrow night. Yeah, and that, that one was added because of the uh, popularity of Dana Carp. You were here in 1987 with the Saturday Night Live tour. Yeah, uh, had a little Dennis Miller with me there. Okay, <laughs> what am I, Condor, the Usippery one here? <laughs> Does Dennis know what he's referring to? It's like, what am I, Queequag here? <laughs> <laughs> Who are these people? Yeah. yeah, I was. I was with them. And I stopped by once uh, a couple years ago, and now I'm back. Uh, Great shows. We have been uh, telling people that uh, that you really, really are terrific uh, in person. You don't come out uh, come out on stage in the church lady outfit. I think people are expecting but sometimes I, to I see that. I have the glasses. I have the glasses. Yeah. Last time I was at the Westport Playhouse, it was Friday. And as I was leaving the stage, I saw a 12-year-old boy in a dress doing the church lady <laughs> face, clamoring oh, toward me. One of those slow motion things. Of, oh, I, what's wrong with this picture? You serious? A guy dressed up like the church yeah, lady? Yeah, but, that, you know, I mean, I for a while, I did encourage Youth of America to a cross dress. <laughs> it was frightening, but then they went into the Hans and Franz thing, and now they're now they're dressing like Wayne and Garth. So uh, uh. I just want them to be my willing thralls and dress, do what I say. But Garth will probably make an appearance. Oh, is that right? He might be singing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. This is the word that Garth said. This is Garth's big word on that show. Kebim. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But people love that one word. Kebim. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. A few tickets still available. You can hear me say kaboom. <laughs> when are those shows again, Jason? Uh, two tonight and uh, one tomorrow night and at where, 8 o'clock. Where? where was Unbel- that? Unbelievably, <laughs> tickets are still available for the 8 o'clock show tomorrow night at the Westport Can you Playhouse. believe that George Bush yesterday at that Nixon library thing got Reagan in a headlong set, who's the boss now? <laughs> who's the boss now? <laughs> well, you are, you are. <laughs> Love this little man. Love what you're doing. I'm number one. <laughs> Dana, they, they say, you know, years ago, the, uh, the, uh, they, they said there was a shortage of stand-up comics because there was no place for them to develop. You right, know? I mean, yeah. If you think about all the stars in those days were billions or burlesque uh, yeah. you know, people. Now, I guess there there isn't a shortage. I mean, maybe no, the shortage of quality, <laughs> but certainly, man, there's, there's a lot of people uh, no, who are doing it. comedy clubs everywhere. I mean, they, they didn't even have comedy clubs. When I was a boy, I mean, I sound <laughs> yeah. like, they didn't have comedy yeah. clubs. And we liked it. You yeah. liked it. You stood on your head and spewed out jokes and <laughs> hoped somebody stopped and pulled you yeah. off your cranium. Yeah. No, uh, I guess we, it's true. you got to develop a character. You can't just start this overnight. you gotta you got to develop it in some way through right. some minor leagues, I guess you'd want to call yeah, it. Yeah, I played know. music rooms. They'd have comedy night. I played the Vaseline Room in Bakersfield, which was uh, rough. What? Yeah. <laughs> the Vaseline Room. In ba- the audience used to dance to my act. It was incredible. Yeah, Chuck Berry and I used to hang out, and I'll tell you... It was amazing what we were doing now, down did there. You, you grew up in, uh, like, Montana? Is that right? Uh, no, I was from Montana, but I really grew up near San Francisco. So it wasn't uh, that difficult to find a venue to go. I'm no. trying to think. I don't think you would have had much opportunity in Montana. I mean. no, 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 no opportunity there. I'm playing <laughs> to some pine cones and some drunk fishermen. No, my, San Francisco is good, very tolerant. I played to hippies. I, play, I, I, I started in the Haight-Ashbury. 
which is a very tolerant place where you can mm-hmm. do characters like the church later or whatever, and they go, fine, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could paint your head blue and, and cop an attitude in San Francisco, and people just go, nice shade of blue, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you try that, like, you know, maybe in some place else in this country, we're like, your head looks like a damn bowling ball. Yeah. And we want you out of here now. You know, uh, so. Dick was uh, talking about this earlier. Uh, uh, his wife, Gail, had, had said, you know, ask Dana, ask somebody, uh, w- w- as far as maybe what might be some hands-off stuff. Now, but the, you say the sensor, and, and one would find it difficult to believe that there was a sensor anywhere near 30 Rock when you guys did the penis sketch, which was, I guess, was two that? years ago. The penis sketch Well, two last years ago. night they finally aired the, uh, the Fonking sketch, F-O-N-K-I-N. Funking, which is uh, the Brooklyn Academy of Arts, and we we just were going. Oh, it was the lo- uh, Tony Danza thing, right? And they weren't going to air that again. We lost a million dollars in sponsorship because of mm-hmm. Funking, F O N K I N. I can't believe mm. this Funking thing. Right. Yeah, you're Funking out of your mind. Do you, you remember know? specifically who pulled off? Um, I I don't know. It, it might have been uh, Procter and Gamble or Pizza Hut or something. I, I know yeah. that uh, I know that uh, uh, St. Louis based Ralston Purina uh, was involved in in something where some advertising was pulled off your show too. So if you well, had, yeah Ralston Purina yeah if you had something to say to the to all the corporate execs who are probably listening to this right now from Ralston Purina, what would that be? <laughs> well, you don't like that word PP, do you? <laughs> you can call it Mister Happy, whatever you want. You can call it your friend. We'll use that 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 technical that scientific term. Didn't like it. Learned it there in biology class. Penis. Say it with me. Don't have to be frightened of it. So you know that sketch was just about you know the male obsession with his with his organ and you know we just thought let's just take it to the extreme. And people lost their minds for some and reason. And people got flipped out about it. You yeah. Know? But I mean your first real you know honest to god uh, full length uh, you know credited uh, yeah. motion picture debut and they throw you in with two. Icons. Uh, yeah, it was unbelievable. I said to my agent when I got the job, he said, Give me this, let me get this straight. I talk, then Burt Lancaster talks, <laughs> and then I talk again, and then Kirk Douglas talks. Are you kidding me? So I walk on the set, and I go, this is my first movie, Mr. Lancaster. He goes, oh, it's my 80th. I've done any motion pictures. You've done one. I'm a star. You're nobody. <laughs> no, he was a very nice guy. Kirk Douglas walked up to me and said, well, you're perfect. I don't know why I talk like this, but I do. You get past the church lady and past Hans and Franz. What, what's next? What are they like? What do people on the street come up to you about? Well, lately it's just been George Bush a lot doing that thing. George Bush, I met him a couple weeks ago in the White House. He How did ca- you get invited to the White House? I was in Washington doing a benefit for the Democrats because Lorne Michaels asked me to do it. It's not like I'm sort of a moderate. But anyway, I was playing Bush for the Democrats. So Ted Kennedy's out there, Alan Cranston, and I'm Bush with the whole thing yeah. on going. Love to run against that guy, Mario. <laughs> That Cuomo guy. Not a lot of Mario's down there in Tennessee. Not a mainstream name. I can see myself the debate now. I just disagree with Mario. Can't go the extra mile of Mario. Can't get together with that fella, Mario. So I got a note at the hotel. The president would like to meet you. So I walk into the Oval Office, nervous. I'm blown away. I see Bush, and I go, Mr. President. And then I saw Quail, and without thinking, I went, Dan! <laughs> And he just, oh, he just sank down, you know. But Bush was very charming, but you can't nail, he just, he's so noncommittal. He's very slippery. I said, do you watch Saturday Night Live, Mr. President? Don't know, not enough information. (laughs) There are those who say I watch it. Others say I don't. Don't want to be drawn into that debate at this juncture. (laughs) Then I tried to just nail him on anything. Did you have lunch today? Don't know. Was hungry at 11. 
full at 12. There's that gap in there. <laughs> you can turn it, twist it, do what you want with it. It's still there. It's good. It's good. Uh, one of the uh, characters that uh, I would like to see you do more of, and that, of course, is Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem. You don't want to get him mad because that voice is so up-tempo that when he gets <laughs> mad, it's more frightening than anything. So yeah. It's worse than... I mean, I had a nightmare the other night that he got upset with me, and it was like, hey, Casey, how you doing? Shut your lousy, stinking mouth. <laughs> shut it or I'll shut it for you. I'll kick your butt all the way to Reno, cowboy, and it won't feel very good. I'm Casey Kasem. <laughs> yeah, you don't want him mad at you. That, that is amazing. You know, one thing about Casey, every time I've done Casey Kasem, he has sent me a gift. Really? He sent me. It's like <laughs> It's unbelievable. I don't know. Maybe he's with the jars and the gauze tape over. <laughs> uh, he sent me albums. He sent me... Uh, <laughs> Little little, you know, figurines and pictures of his wife. But you know, no, he's um, <laughs> he seems like a really nice guy. I don't know what kinds of things uh, as you look forward to another season of Saturday Night Live. What do you want to do that you haven't tried yet? Well, when I do a little more George in different situations, gonna be working on the grumpy old man. In my day, we didn't have these thin latex condoms. There's only one kind of condom. You took a rabbit skin and wrapped it around your privates and tied it off with a bungee cord. <laughs> you didn't feel nothing, and half the time you didn't even know if your partner was there. And we used the same one over and over again because we were ignorant morons. We didn't know any better. And that's the way it was. We liked it. Uh, very, very fond memories of that morning with Dick Ford in the studio and also Dana Carvey, who is a wonderful guy and has been wonderful to me over the years. And with that, with my voice shot, that's it for the J.C. Corcoran podcast for today, Wednesday, August 30th, 2023. If the voice holds out, we'll have another podcast tomorrow and there won't be any more interruptions in this. And please, if you can, spread the word that, you know, laryngitis is a fickle, fickle thing. You can sound good for a while. An hour later, you can barely even get a sound coming out of your throat, back to the lozenges and back to the tea with honey and back to just sitting down in a corner and shutting up okay all right you can email me anytime jc at jc on the line.com facebook the showgram with jc quarkman and uh, back on the air tomorrow morning at 101.5 st louis 101.7 west and beyond and streaming at kwolf.com and back here at 11 tomorrow with another podcast in the meantime we've beaten this one to death have a good one see you later bye the jc corcoran podcast 